The hurricane is coming. You can feel it in the air. Anxiety starts to build. Pressure mounts. What is your plan of action? How will you navigate the storm? That's how it feels when you encounter a challenging supply chain crosswind. You seek to find the eye of the hurricane. That is where we live. Dunavent. Logistically speaking, we're at the center of it all. With more than 60 years of experience in logistics innovation, Dunavent is a family-owned business that has the knowledge to ensure global and domestic shipping practices are efficient and effective. Dunavent generates supply chain proficiency with outstanding, attentive, and expedient customer service. For more information, visit Dunavent.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Great Quarter Gals. I'm your host, Kaylee Nix, along with my co-host, Grace Sharkey, and the gals are apart again. We're here in Chattanooga, we're here in Michigan, but we had a great time together last week. And Grace, it feels like I just saw you, and I'm already ready to see you again. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's it's so funny. My, my feet have recovered completely. But what it hasn't recovered is just being around a bunch of freight nerds and, and our fellow co-workers and being able to be in one place and come up with great content. It was just such a fun ride. And uh, on, on to the next one soon, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Future of Supply Chain. We were in Northwest Arkansas last week joining 1,600 other self-proclaimed freight nerds, as you like to call them. And it was it was quite the time. You know, I was hosting, you were hosting. We had guests all over the place doing fireside chats, running around. Give me like your one word description of Future of Supply Chain, if you can boil it down to just one word. Uh, nonstop freight information. And I, when I say information, it's not even just like my beat, right? Not just technology, not just fundraising, but what other people are up to, what different markets people are starting to serve. What uh, I got to talk to so many shippers. Um, I sat behind the whole team of Nestle on the way into the event. So like getting to hear everyone's freight like opinion at this point in time, such a cool experience. Who did you like talking to or hearing from the most, whether that's like a fireside chat or just like someone you stopped in the middle of the exhibit hall and was just like, hey, what's up? Uh, I feel like nonstop getting stopped in the exhibit hall, like going from where's what, three hallways, but constantly stuck in them. I think my favorite chat overall that I got to stop by and actually like listen to and, and take some time for myself was honestly Billy Bean. I'd hate to like, put that one out there right because I think that was like a good headliner um keynote speaker for everyone to see but it made me feel he made me feel so um special and so important here at Freight Waves and just what Freight Waves is doing for this industry hearing how much he how much he wanted to include data and analytics into his problem solving in baseball in a time where no one a really needed it. Uh, like w- one of the most impactful things he said was, you know, no one was going bankrupt in baseball. Like there was no need to keep, continue to look at it in, in an analytical perspective. And I think sometimes you see the growth of this industry and you see how much money and trillions of dollars are in this industry. And you think, 
you know, if I'm making the right decisions, it can't just all be luck, but it shows you like how, how much he thought that data analytics would be important to baseball and how he just went with it. Even if people didn't believe in him, he just didn't care. And there's a lot of that, like, uh, energy here at Freight Waves where, you know, we trial and error different types of content and different types of um, products, even in Sonar. And at the end of the day, we, we don't care what anyone else thinks about it. We know the impact that we have in the industry. And it, uh, I just felt like his keynote really pushed uh, against or with what Freight Waves really is for and what we're doing for this community as a whole. I almost call it kind of like innovation through tenacity, right? It's like we have these yeah. cool ideas. You have this idea that like may or may not work. And there's doubters. There's naysayers, which of course there always are. But both his strategy and I think you're so right. What we do here at Freight Waves is kind of like, you know, you're going to naysay us, but okay, we're still going to do it anyways. Like it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. We're still going to do it. <laughs> Exactly. Rest the shoulders off. We don't care. We're going to keep it moving. So uh, and I think that was one of my favorite things, just being in the moment as well. Absolutely. I absolutely loved hearing the keynote, the industry keynote from Gaddick CEO. And we know that you love Gaddick because they're doing some really, really cool things. But what was really interesting about his keynote was that they had both their truck, their self-driving autonomous truck that's been deployed in that middle mile solution they're in Northwest Arkansas serving the customers and serving Walmart with, through their partnership in Northwest Arkansas now for, I believe it's been about six months since, since fall of last year. And it was really, really cool to see him talk not only about the impact that it has kind of on the future of the industry, right? But like seeing that impact in real time, seeing the footage and seeing the mapping and seeing the solution where it's, it's playing in that true middle space. And so I really, really loved that. And then plus we got to check out the actual Gaddick Mobile, the truck that was there. It was there parked outside. Yeah. And I actually got to do a, a smaller fireside chat with them too. And prior to, to doing that and meeting them face to face, you know, they are two brothers, you know, in this business together. So it was kind of cool on like a family side of things to hear about um, not just this business they grew, but their other businesses as well. And at the other but you mentioned it's deployable. It's out there right now. It's actually making a difference. Um, Justin um, from Back the Truck Up even made a great point. You know, this is a um, a part of the supply chain, a part of driving this like seven miles from DC to DC that drivers don't like anyway. So it's mm -hmm. like, it was just really cool to have all of those opinions, right? In, in one space, in one hallway, in one discussion. Like how often do you get that opportunity? Really quick before we introduce our guests for the day, what does this make you look forward to for F3, the future freight festival coming to Chattanooga in November? Uh, just even more people, vendors, companies that are going to be there, the types of chats that we're going to have. I think the technology that we're going to see at the at the festival will be incredible as well. Like, of course, we had Gaddick there, but I think we're going to see a lot more. And I'm just excited. I mean, think about if we had this event four months prior. It would have been a totally different concepts that we're talking about. So I don't even want to know what November is going to look like. We got Shanghai hopefully open up. Like it could be a, a whirlwind of topics that we couldn't even think about right now. It's going to blow future supply chain out of the water. That's for sure. I think I said in my LinkedIn post, it's going to make future supply chain look like a backyard barbecue. So you know what? Get your, get your tickets for F3 right now. You can do that on live.freightwaves.com. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we close out the show today. But right now, let's get into our guest of the day. Grace, when we took this over, we, we took over Great Quarter Guys, which their tagline was, Great Quarter Guys, where the lines of freight and finance are none. And they kind of 
made that their entire personality on this show. And of course, we've transformed it into female leadership and freight, which we love to see. But today we're kind of going back to those finance roots and breaking down the barriers of both freight and finance by talking to Beth Westjohn, who is the CFO at, at Ascent Logistics. So Beth, thank you for joining us and thank you for helping us stay true to the mission of the original show and putting a little twist on our new mission. Hi, ladies. How are you? It's great to meet you. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually a little new to freight. So this is very exciting for me to um, be a part of uh, your reboot here, right? Um, uh, it, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Of course. And uh, I'd love to hear more about your background and being new to freight. What uh, industries did you come from before? And uh, what's it like being a CFO in freight now? Because I know when it comes to accruals and uh, the books, it's a lot different than a lot of other industries. It moves quicker. So tell us what's it like been, what's it been like for you so far in freight? So I, as you mentioned, I'm CFO of Ascent, uh, which is, you know, crazy, fast-growing global logistics service provider. Um, we have a 1,000 employees. We are up to $2 billion in revenue. I, um, we manage a, a, a competitive marketplace that specializes in premium and uh, expedited freight, which, again, very different from where I came from. I've been in finance for 30-plus years. I'm a CPA. I did some public accounting uh, time that sounds like it's like a jail or something or prison, <laughs> but it was just public accounting. Uh, uh, and then uh, kind of transitioned into industry and spent about 20 years in the food service uh, manufacturing industry. It was commercial baking, a commercial baking group um, in various roles all the way up to CFO. And then a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to kind of switch roles, which is really cool about finance. So the finance, uh, in the, when you get into finance, that's one of the cool things. Your skills can translate from one industry to the next. And so I got to, you know, 25, 30, well, 25 or so years into my career, switch industries, and I get to learn something new every day. You're right. It does move fast. Although the commercial baking business moved pretty fast, too. We uh, we had a 5,000 5, dozen uh, buns per hour, uh, you know, high speed line. So that was a lot of fast moving. But, but the freight industry is, is different. It's service, which is different than manufacturing, obviously. Um, I, I, again, learn something new every day. And you asked about what's it like to be in finance and freight. Uh, we're largely an asset light, um, uh, freight, largely brokerage style business. And, so honestly, liquidity is very interesting. You talk about accruals and certainly getting the numbers right and making sure that we're, uh, we have the right information for our business leaders uh, is you know important for running our business. But liquidity and balancing in the brokerage space, this you know money in and money out, it's, uh, it's tricky, especially with the pricing and the, you know, uh, <laughs> The, the market that, that's happened over the last three years, right? Beth, we've talked to a ton of female leadership on this show and a bunch of C-suite execs as well, which is great for us. But you're the first person that we've brought on who's been in that finance side of things. And I think that, that 
transferableness of the skills, I think is something that's really, really important, especially when you're talking to maybe girls, young girls who are looking to get into the industry, who are maybe looking at a finance degree or an MBA and thinking, okay, I've got to go into public accounting or I've got to go into being pigeonholed and do, you know, banking for this one thing about stuff like that. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you kind of learned about those transferable skills and about kind of some of the courage it takes to say, you know what, I'm leaving my public accounting side of things, or I'm leaving this one side of things and jumping into an industry that you don't know a whole lot about like freight. Yeah. It's a little scary, isn't it? And you know what? So I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of barriers that keep ladies out of finance and freight. They kind of, it's interesting how they kind of go in and in in that way. And, uh, you know, I, it starts with can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good at math. I, you know, uh, there's, I don't want to hang out with men all the time. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I think, uh, one of the things that, um, from my perspective, because you're talking about like transitions, because I did, I had transitions. I was in public accounting for several years and then I kind of went, um, kind of on my own and had my own office for a while, my own clients. And I got to the point where I could pick the, what I wanted to do. And I concentrated on this sort of like controller type CFO outsourced service, which was, that's how I ended up transitioning into uh, industry uh, because I really enjoyed that. And so, you know, um, do what you want to do and don't listen to the camp. I mean, I had parents that inspired me. Not everybody gets to have the kind of parents that I have, but you do always have people in your life that, you know, can, that are, are there to help one way or the other, a mentor, right? My dad basically told me without really even directly telling me, well, no, he probably did directly tell me all the time. He led by example. He was in finance. Um, and that I wanted to be just like him. He was like the smartest guy I knew and I wanted to be just like him. That's how I kind of got into this. Um, but he basically told me that I could be anything I wanted to be like over and over again. And he led by that example because he, you know, did what he wanted to do. And then I had this mom who worked out of the home. Like my mom did not have a job outside the home until I was an adult. And she showed me what it was like to be, you know, strong and courageous and, she sort of had this bossiness with a purpose <laughs> where it's like, you know, I'm not bossy. I'm motivational. I have this sign in my yeah. office behind me when I'm on teams right now. I'm actually in a, one of our, uh, one of our offices, a home in my office. Um, you know, and, and that was a great, um, uh, confidence builder for me to see those, those, uh, people in my life that kind of, um, inspired me to do do what do what makes you happy. Figure out what you're good at, and then go do it. And don't let you know it's only men that want to do that in finance keep you back. I mean, I've spent my entire career surrounded by men, and it's fine. I enjoy it. You can have a lot of fun with men. I mean, uh, you just but you got you got to learn how to speak. You know, you got to learn how to talk the talk and walk the walk without losing who you are. That's the key. So we're women and we act a certain way and we can't just go act like men because that doesn't work because if you start acting like men all the time, then um, uh, you get labeled words that we probably shouldn't say on, uh, on 
podcast. <laughs> but so you have to you have to figure out the balance. Like you know, how are you gonna be true to who you are without turning people off? And and you know, I I attribute a lot of that to um, connection. And this is a little unusual for finance people, right? To be um, extroverted and outgoing and have a personality. I, I don't mean to insult the finance people out there because there's <laughs> I have a whole team, seventy people on my team, and none of them are people you wouldn't want to go have a beer with, right? They're they're all wonderful people. So, uh, but there's a stereotype of this person who just sits in the corner with a little green shade and. <laughs> count all day long yeah and that's not what this is about it's not what freight's about it's not what finance is about it's not what business is about it's about connection it's about people um yeah there's a lot of numbers to put in boxes and there's a lot of papers to push around and we got to keep the bills paid and we got to make sure our, our our business partners are are happy um but and our shareholders are happy you know and we serve our management team but um you know, it's mostly about uh, m- my experience has been it, it's about connection and really understanding the people that you're working with and working for. And that's fun part, y'all. That's the fun part. And you can be good at math or not. I mean, you kind of have to be detailed and organized and pretty structured to be in finance or you're probably not going to have a lot of fun and, and enjoy it. But um you know, it's more than just being good at math. I mean, like, there's this idea in freight and finance, again, side by side, that it's boring, that the same thing happens every day. <laughs> I am telling you, no. Oh, my gosh. Like, my every day, I go to bed, like, slobbering on my sleeve from the excitement. You know, like, I just wish I could have one day where it was the same thing happens uh, every day. So, um, you know, it's dynamic it's exciting and um i uh and if you i also try to approach it as what am i learning right i gotta learn something or i'm not interested so that's why this transition from public to owning my own business to then you know working 20 years in food manufacturing business for a a small business that started uh from you know dirt to you know over 100 million dollars in sales and being a part of that and then translating to a whole different career at the age of, you know, 48. I mean, it's, it, it, that's what gives me confidence is the people. You know, I personally think that in a logistics environment, that back office, the accounting department is the actual heart of the, of the, of the company. Because, you know, when we even talk about recruiting in this industry, we're constantly talking about the sales reps or the carrier reps and, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of the work they do is booked revenue, but you guys actually make sure that revenue becomes cleared and comes into the business. And so I'm interested over time, what types of roles have you seen evolving within your own logistics company as you scale? And um, you mentioned that you know maybe they're not the most extrovert type of people, but I think that... I think that, you know, there's a lot of really great people who might not, who might be in finance who don't see logistics because they see it as more of a sales role, but how could they get involved with the freight community in the finance sector? What type of roles are you able to fill in that back office to keep your business moving and growing? Well, first of all, to your heart of the business, I would love for you to talk to 
our business development sales and uh, team and CEO and tell them how we are the heart of the business. <laughs> I have not been able to get that across to them. <laughs> but I will be interesting and this is why, this is part of the reason why I think you say that, or you maybe draw that conclusion, is because, as we like to say in our little accounting and finance department in um, uh, in our business, it all ends up in accounting, right? It, it, it flows, things happen, all of the business from sales to whatever's going on in the business, it all, whether it's in the right format or not, ends up. <laughs> in the accounting department to straighten out, right? So that's an end, and we're the information source, uh, not the only information source, but a major information source. So it's not necessarily all about the numbers. In some businesses, that's how they're run, and those aren't businesses that, in my opinion, I wanna be a part of, where it's only about the numbers, right? Because if we aren't taking care of the people, then you know you're not, the numbers aren't gonna make sense, or they're not gonna happen. Eventually, it'll fall apart. But the numbers are how we keep score. So they're important. And we need to make sure they're right. And we need to make sure that we're serving the business in finance uh, with the information that's, you know, that the business leaders need. So um, that's kind of why it's sort of like, I think, that heartbeat. And I've rambled on and forgotten your question. Oh, you were talking about careers. You asked about um, careers in finance. And yes. There, like, as we scale, like, there's all kinds of opportunities for, we we have people on our team that never thought they'd be in finance. And in fact, it's really interesting and great. Like, you know, when I first came into this business, I talked with, you know, dozens of people in our business leaders and different people just one-on-one just to try to understand what they did, what their business, their role in the business. And almost like three quarters of the people I talked to started their story with, well, I sort of fell into freight. <laughs> yep. And, you know, and I mean, like most people, that's their story, right? So, and and I, I don't think that's probably the story of the finance people. <laughs> you know, most people don't fall into finance, but we do have a few people on our team that. And I think the cool part about, you know, opportunities in finance now in, in growing companies like Ascent is in leadership. And it's really interesting to try to translate. And so the skill of the finance skill and the finance task and managing that and being really good at that is very different than leading people. Like those skills are very different. And it is quite a transition to translate from I'm great at numbers and boxes and pushing data around and even analyzing data. And, you know, as you move up the the finance uh, ladder, you get to a certain point where you when your success no longer depends on how great you do, but it depends on how great these other five, 10 people are, that's like a whole different ballgame. And it's really cool the opportunities that women have right now. You know, we have this sort of work from home remote, you know, trend in the industry, of course. And uh, I mean, I worked remotely before it was cool. Like for 15, 20 years, I worked from home. And uh, through that food manufacturing business, um, I was able to work remotely for a bunch of years until I moved up to a certain level. So when you get to a certain level, remote work is not easy. When when you're just managing people, you kind of got to be there with the people. So the last few years, I did a lot of traveling and I still do a lot of traveling. But the cool part about 
ladies and opportunities for women in finance is there's a portion of your career that you can do remotely very easily in finance. And so when you've got those kids at home and your life is crazy and you're constantly driving them around to the practices and going to the school this and make sure you want to be there for your kids, right? Don't want to be necessarily chained to a desk in some office. The, the finance roles that you can do to work your way up, a lot of them can translate to a work from home, largely remote or even, you know, maybe hybrid uh, situations to allow you to have that life to raise your family. Then the kids leave you. As my husband told me, honey, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to leave us. Why are you so sad? <laughs> they're supposed to leave <laughs> and go off and fly a little birdie fly. And at that point, it opens up an opportunity. Now, if you, you know, kind of manage your career well, you can take the opportunity to go be a leader and move up. And then that's when you have to start, you know, when you have that opportunity. I mean, right. it's cool. If you, if you really pay attention, you can kind of work yourself through that, right? And I mean, that's yeah. a cool opportunity for women, especially. I love that, Beth. And I love this conversation that we had today. And I wish that we had more time to sit down and chat with you. We'll have to have you on as a repeat guest for Great Quarter Gals. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Go check her out at Ascent Logistics. And thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. And if you missed last week, we got to catch up with Shelly Simpson, one of our dream guests for us here. I know Grace was super excited. I was super excited about that. If you missed last week's episode, you're in luck because it's following up right after this one as we end in just a few seconds. We'll see you guys next Tuesday at three o'clock for ne the next edition of Great Corner Gals. One, two, three, go! <laughs>